Welcome back to What's on Your Mind. I'm Dr. Gene Bresson. And I'm Dr. Steve Schlossman. And we're child psychiatrists at the Clay Center for Young Healthy Minds at the Massachusetts General Hospital. Here's what we'll talk about today. Today, we're going to talk about living with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, otherwise known as ADHD, from the perspective of a kid, now a young adult, and I'd like to introduce Peter Broughton, and also from the perspective of his mom, Ellen Broughton, who is our chief neuropsychologist at Mass General Hospital and a member of the Clay Center, and his doctor, Dr. Steve Schlossman, our co-host, who is also a child psychiatrist at MGH and a member of the Clay Center. So we're going to hear everybody's perspective, and uh, I don't know whether this has been done before. Steve, What has this ever been done before on, on the on the, the radio? Uh, well, you and I have never done it before. Um, <laughs> Dr. Phil may have done it at some point. Um, it's, it's not done for all the, all the obvious reasons, right? I mean, like there's there's issues that happen between a patient and a doctor that we'd like to keep in the office. There's issues between parents and their kids that we'd like yeah. to keep separate. So we're going to be careful around those boundaries in this discussion. But our point really here is to talk about you know the the presentation of this syndrome of ADHD, how it how it looks, how we help kids to make their way through it, and how adults, young adults like Peter is, find their way through it um, in other avenues. And you know what it's like to live with it. I mean, I think that's that's the important thing. And um, uh, so, uh, Peter, can you tell us what was it like for you living with ADHD? You know, was it a problem? Uh, how did it affect your life? Um, from a young age, I never really realized I had ADHD. It was kind of just my perception of the world and how I kind of processed everything a little slower. And I don't know, I, it was, it was difficult in, I would say about third grade is when I realized that I was a little different than everybody else and kind of struggled in some areas. Um, who noticed? Who noticed first? Did you notice it, or did others around you notice it? Uh, I, <laughs> that's, that's tricky. I do remember this one, this one memory of sitting in a reading circle, and I just, for whatever reason, I just couldn't get into the activity. And I just started walking around, because that's what made me feel okay at the time. And the teacher said, no, sit down, sit down. And I, I just basically couldn't sit there, because I felt you know, uh, unsettled at the time. And I just couldn't read. I, I wasn't getting into it. So I kept pacing, kept pacing. And the teacher had to reprimand me because I was coping with um, what I was struggling with at the time. Now, I'll, before I get to your mom, let me ask you, how did it make you feel about yourself? I mean, did it affect your self-esteem? Did it affect your self-image? Like, what? I knew you were a young kid. But... Yeah, definitely. Um, just... Just now, I'm 20 years old. Uh, just recently, I've gained a really important piece of self-awareness um, surrounding that. And I've never really realized how it manifested in forms of anxiety and um, coping coping, uh, coping mechanisms. And, and pretty much every aspect of my life it, uh, came out. And I, that is something I just realized within the past six months. So that's that's really interesting. Um, now, Ellen, this is your area of expertise. I mean, you're like the best of the best in terms of testing for kids that have ADHD. So 
you you must have been, you know, just right on top of things as a mom, weren't you? No, not at all. Not even in the least. <laughs> it does everything I knew from other kids. I can get I really sometimes feel like I can get any child in the world to do anything for me, but when it comes to your own children, it just doesn't work the same way. So all the things that I knew um about just didn't always seem to apply because in real time those sorts of suggestions and rules that we have don't always follow a clear path. And when it's your own child, there's so many other things that come into play too. Emotions, you know, things that need to be done quickly, family dynamics that just, it, it, it was, it's new territory, even though I know a lot about the field itself. So, so you know, for, for you, I mean, most people will turn to you to right. get help and advice. So what did you do when you realized there was a problem? Well, I got Peter assessed actually <laughs> by one of my colleagues, and um, so yeah, I did. I did all the things that I tell other parents to do. And the hard thing is that not it's it's been a good learning process for me because not all the things we recommend necessarily get implemented correctly. Um, schools don't necessarily listen to the person who's done the evaluation, and then there's also an interaction between the wrong kind of school environment and um, wrong kind of placements, wrong teachers that just don't um, seem to, you know, be a good match for so, particular. So kids. even you, as a doctor, yep. yeah, had the same experience that just every same everybody experience. in the world has with their schools going, and their teachers. Going to and... IEP meetings as a, it's very humbling. Um, but Peter has seen me in IEP meetings where I've had to yell at them. The IEP <laughs> is individual educational, educational plans, program. Right. Yeah. So. Um, so, yeah, I've been to IEP meetings, and it's much nicer when I'm going as the expert, and I don't have any emotional involvement in the person. I can just talk and just be, you know, just spout out everything. But it's much different when you're a mother, and you, you know, you want the best for your child. So, um, yeah, Peter see me in that kind of environment, yelling or <laughs> kind of yelling. you got to advocate. For Advocating, that's yeah. right. Did you know so she, she was doing that? Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> more, more than one occasion. Uh-huh. Yeah. Voices have been raised. Yeah, yeah. and now so so Steve, you know you're you're the doctor. What was it? What's it like for you taking care of someone? And actually, you've seen Peter for a long time. I mean, you've seen him grow and develop. You know, from you know from a kid to a young adult. What what what's it like? Uh, well, first of all, it's delightful. Peter's a great young man, as you all just heard on the on the radio um, or on this podcast. Uh, a couple things. First, I, I want to back up a little bit to something that Ellen said. It is true. With our own kids, we are really at a loss. The advantage we have as clinicians, and I think we should make this clear, is that we can call up people we know and, yes. and get, get yes. you know, the assessments yeah, which done. which is what I did. <laughs> right, right. And that's, that's what, you know, I, I happen to know Ellen, Dr. Broughton, she knows me. So, so we were able to sort of connect in that way. Peter was an absolute delight to take care of is still. I don't get to see him much anymore. I should let everyone know, since this is a podcast, that he's like nine feet taller than me right now, <laughs> but he was not when I first met him. So so one of the really cool things about this this gig, this job, is that you get to watch kids grow up. Yeah. Um, Peter clearly had ADHD. It's not that I needed the world expert, or the na- at least the Massachusetts expert would have to be Dr. Broughton to tell me. The testing, it could not have been more clear. Um, he also responded well to the treatments that included both pharmacologic and non-pharmacologic interventions. The harder interventions to implement actually turn out to be the non-pharmacologic ones. That's what, what Ellen was just saying, getting the school to do the things that you needed to do, getting the environment to match the kid. Not every kid is suited for every environment, and that's true whether or not you have ADHD. So in some ways, we could talk about ADHD, but we could also just talk about the unique differences in every kid. 
Peter personally is is a amazing guy. Um, and part of what you just heard him talk about is the fact that as he's gotten older, literally as his brain grew and continues to grow, he uh, better understands where these challenges are and then can better implement coping mechanisms that aren't that different from when he got up and walked around when he's in third grade but are more acceptable because he knows where to do them. So, so Peter, um, you know, uh, what was it like to have a relationship with Steve? I mean, you know, he's your doctor. Right. Uh as a kid and having and taking care of you, I mean, what's it like? Uh, it was pretty interesting. Uh, before this recording, we were talking about how I showed up with uh, airsoft gun or yeah, paintball guns, I believe, <laughs> and <laughs> suited up for battle. And you know, I would just—it was it, so cool. Very, Only to say it was yeah. cool. It was not a problem. <laughs> very relaxing atmosphere. Uh, I felt like I could go in there and say pretty much whatever I needed to say, whatever was on my mind, or just watch videos or just relax, just have something to talk to and confide in. I think it's the most important part right there. And I thought that we had a great rapport and hit it off instantly. Did he help you talk about some of the um, problems or difficulties that you had and kind of get some insight into them? Yeah, not so directly. It wasn't like you have ADHD, and these are the steps. It was more so like we'd talk about it in more story form and mm-hmm. more examples of, you know, what I was living through at the time. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was much more helpful than if someone, you know, just said, oh, this acronym, this is what you have, and this is what you do. It's not quite as simple as that. So a bunch of things helped, you know. Uh, did did the medications make a difference? I mean, because Steve said that that the non medication things made a lot of difference, but what about the meds? What was the role? Because there's a lot of controversy about using these meds right. for for ADHD. Um, I have mixed feelings personally. Uh, I think that they achieved the purpose of getting my work done, but I also felt I don't know. I didn't respond well to a couple um, in particular, but. Uh, the side effects bothered you. There yeah. just seemed to yeah. be more sensitive. Nothing's to perfect. Those. Nothing's yeah. perfect. No, but this, this was a big side effect. This wasn't yeah. just losing oh. appetite. This was like losing like your, your mojo. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Like yeah. I kind of zombified where I'd just be floating through the day doing mm-hmm. everything I needed to get done and doing it really yeah. well, you know, all my schoolwork. But I wasn't really me. I kind of lost that whole personality that I'm kind of a bubbly personality, you know friendly guy and I just wouldn't talk to people and I wouldn't raise my hand in class. I was petrified to raise my hand in class because I was, my mind was kind of so ra- racing. So how'd you get beyond that? Oh, um, I didn't raise my hand for <laughs> <laughs> all of science class uh, just because of the dynamic and the kids that were in there. That's a, that's a different story. But that whole interaction um, in class... I never really did get around that that whole aspect of you know being really frightful of raising my hand. But then again, there are other classes that I would talk freely in because it was more discussion based, and you know I could kind of get my ideas out there and kind of form my thoughts as I spoke instead of you know being in earth science is what class it was and it's just saying oh you know like. 
this is that rock or something. And I did a lot better with the discussions as opposed to the more straightforward um, answer, give and take answer. Mm-hmm. And when I went off medication, um, my sophomore year of high school, is that correct? Yeah, it's about right. Yeah. Um, somewhere in there. I started to drift back in my schoolwork, definitely. It was very apparent that I was having a lot more difficulty completing my schoolwork, but I was also getting those participation points in class. Um, what a trade-off. So yeah. What a balance. I mean, it's, it's a delicate balance. It, huh? it really is. And just even hanging out with friends outside of the school environment, I I, I wasn't myself when I was on medication. Mm-hmm. Um I, it's just like a little piece of me got chipped away. So you went back on it? or I, I was on and off of it uh, periodically. Mm-hmm. And even now? Tried a different, yeah. tried a couple different medications, mm-hmm. yeah. Did you find a right one or a, a better one that eventually? or? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> uh, there's no straightforward answer for that. I think that you can make... You can make a medication work for you, you know, mm-hmm. and definitely try try a bunch of them and see uh, side effects and see how it you know reacts with you and your personality. But I decided to kind of go through life without mm-hmm. the aid of medication. So, so now that you're a college student and you're yes. successful, and you know, <laughs> far far from so, it. So, so when you when you look back. What 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 were the major things that helped you become successful? Ooh, that's a that's a big question right there. I mean, if I could turn the time back, I would have done a lot of things differently. But I think that's the whole process of growing up and living with this um, syndrome. Is that it, it, there's some things that you need to go through, and that really can't be avoided. You know, there are fights that you never take back mom <laughs> and, that's true you know some cell phones that were broken or dishes but <laughs> in anger but i think that the main main thing that's helping me out right now is getting physical exercise at least 30 minutes of cardiovascular exercise a day really helps with focus and motivation and i've also taken up yoga and meditation and some really cool things um, down that road, Tai Chi, and those have helped me tremendously. Mm-hmm. With focus. With focus, yeah. yeah, and just feeling stable and not, not wanting to bounce my leg and not wanting to walk around the room like I did in third grade. I really, I'm starting to feel, you know, just a kind of a balance. And how about coaching? Because you've had lots of tutoring right. in the past. Tutoring and- never helped. I would, I would kind of just manipulate my way for the tutors into doing my homework, uh, because I, I don't know, I kind of have a way with people, and that was that was a coping mechanism for not being able to just put my pen on the paper and write the words or whatever the assignment was. So I would kind of <laughs> make the make the tutor do it. <laughs> but somehow you've learned to get the job done. You never would be successful in college right i mean right i i did slide through high school and it was a close close slide <laughs> into home base <laughs> it was. With the, with yeah, the 
<laughs> I, I did get home safe and uh, on to bigger and better things. And, but one thing that's helping you right now in college is getting really good coaching, which yes. is something we really yes. oftentimes recommend for people with ADHD, more than just tutoring in subjects, but actually kind of coaching that sort it's, of executive function, big picture. And yeah. that seems to be working really well. It's kind of the cool middle ground between more of a therapeutic approach and something like tutoring. Yeah. So what, what are the elements of this coaching so that the audience can understand that? Um, so I have one formal meeting with my quote-unquote life coach, and I also have an academic coach, you know, so they kind of split up two aspects of school and you know, not school. So in my academic, I'll focus on the academic coaching. In that, uh, we sit down for an hour and go through kind of some nitty-gritty stuff of assignments and, you know, like, okay, how are we going to do this and do that? And that's, you know, that's all good stuff. It's really helpful to keep me on track. But we also look at the big picture of where I want to be in the next four years, like how, you know, kind of giving this assignment meaning because I'm more of a global thinker and I like to look at the big picture and see my end goal. And I think that's the most helpful thing is putting everything into picture because one homework assignment can seem so trivial that, um, you just don't do it. <laughs> so once you can see it in the perspective yeah. of the of the bigger of yes. the bigger picture, it's an easier thing for you to kind of like take on. Yeah, you can kind of conceptualize the whole you know the whole picture and then jump on that one assignment. So I think the most helpful thing of coaching is talking about everything, which I would normally be completely overwhelmed with. You know, I don't I don't know what I'm going to do in the next four years, but. Um, I'm starting to realize that, you know, I need to start thinking about it. I need to start thinking about what I'm going to do after college, um, not just, you know, job-related, but how I want to kind of live my life and get fulfillment in this world. Any other comments, Ellen or Steve, before we uh, we stop? I It's just fun to hear. I mean, you know, as as a yeah. as a clinician, you, you rarely get the opportunity to sort of hear an overview of you know of, of how things have gone, and um, it's so neat to to hear you say these things. It, it, there's a fascinating thing that you that you said. I just want to point out very quickly: the yoga and the meditation. Yes, it, it works without question. There's data everywhere. If we'd asked you to do that when you were ten, that's right, or fourteen, or right, seventeen. I remember yeah. very specifically making fun of that. Um, with you, like like having a good time making fun of it. So so one of the ironies here is that we yeah. have these recommendations, but they have to be developmentally timed yep. and timed yep. for the individual. Yeah. Um, yeah. It works great for you now. It, w- it wasn't the right thing. When you were right. 14, yeah. you brought in a paintball gun. That's not, right. that's not yeah. a time for yeah. yoga. So, yeah. so I, think, right. I think now this is amazing. This is awesome. You've done a great job. No, and I think in hearing this as as a mom, I you know I I it's so satisfying to see your child grow up, and and I I can see it, and I can see how everything is, all the things that we did recommend, some of them worked, at sometimes some of them didn't, but they're all sort of coming together in a way that is really it's a long terrific. process. It's a long, it's, and that's I think the hardest process. thing um, that I tell parents too, just having a son with ADHD, that it's a long, it's not going to be solved next week. 
And so whatever we say, we have to really think about by the time they're 20 or by the time they're 18 or 25, that's that's our big picture as parents. That's mm-hmm. that's what we need to think about when we're right. helping you with the homework assignment. Mm-hmm. So Great. Well, thank you all very much. I mean, and, and if anybody out there has an interest in learning more about this, check out the blogs on our website about ADHD and write in some questions and we'll be happy to try to answer them. Thank you. Thanks. I'm Gene Bereson. And I'm Steve Schlossman. 